0: Thank you, worship team. Good morning. morning. I just want to thank uh, those of you that this week humored me a little bit. And uh, I asked for people to post their wedding pictures. If you're not a part of our, our Church Online Facebook page, it's, it's, it's not a public page. It's just those that are a part of it can see it. And so I, I, I posted, asked people to, um, to post their picture on there. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. And, and I want to say, Dean, I'm never going to look at you the same ever again. <laughs> there, that, that was, I, I was like, who is this? And then I said, ooh, Carla, Carla posted that. That's Dean. And I was just, I was so, it was so wonderful. I just, I, I like, you are a greater friend to me now than you were before that was posted because I was a child groom also, you know? And, and so, so I loved it. That was fantastic. But let me ask you a question. How did you meet, those of you that are married, how did you meet your spouse? How did you meet your spouse? Or, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Military work, no less. Uh, when, when, when I was young, okay, when I, which was a long time ago, um, we, w- you know, I, I, I went off because I felt called by God into the ministry, so I went to Bible college. And they called it North Central Bridal College. <laughs> A ring by spring, or your money back no joke that that is the that was and in fact, uh, not only did I meet my beautiful wife there, but Pastor Ben met his wife there as well, so we got a two for deal that was really that was awesome. Um, some of you met your wife at school. Um, I'm sure that, that Don and Dort are watching this morning through church online. Um, they may even be here second service while they watch first service online. But they met and started a relationship at 14 years of age in, in middle school, and they have been together ever since. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Give them a hand. That's Some of, some of us met in church. Technically, I feel like that's where I, I actually met my wife because that's the first time I ever, I think, talked to her was in church. We were in college, but we were at the same church, and I remember that first time I, I had a conversation with her or probably I just did all the talking. Um, some of you, um, family reunion, hopefully. We, we don't have anything like that um, going on. Um, farmersonly.com? How, how about just online in general? A lot of people, I'm, I'm younger couples. I'm, hey, how did you guys meet when I, I'm doing premarital counseling? Yeah, online, very popular. I'm not kidding, it's the truth. Um, but the Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe or, or unveil Mysteries. In life and we're in this series called the church as where we're looking at some of those metaphors and today I want to look at the church as the bride of Christ because the Bible uses a wedding and the relationship between a bride and groom to to teach us something um, about the church and when I say church I want to make sure that everybody understands I'm not talking about Silver Creek Church Church, okay? I'm not talking about a denomination church. I'm talking about Big C Church, which is the, the born again, the believers throughout history. That's the church, okay? We, we, no, you, you're not gonna stand, I'm not gonna stand here, no one else is gonna stand here and say that we're, we are the church, Exclusively just to us. It's every believer in the course of history. That is the church. And the Bible describes that group of people, both dead and alive, as the church, as the bride of Christ. Now, I realize that as I share that, that could be a problem for some of you in this, in this room right now. If it, To describe the church as the bride, you're like, don't like that. Just like family, when I talked last week about, about the, the body of Christ being the family of God, because you've had a negative experience as a family, some of you have had negative experiences in marriage. And so automatically, you're like, oh, got my guard up. Nope, don't want to be that. Don't want to hear that. Some of you, maybe it was your parents that had a marriage that was really distasteful to you. And so the idea of the the body of Christ, that believers, the church, is referred to as the bride of Christ, is something that you might really struggle with because marriage is not a good experience in your life. But I want you to understand that, that not all marriages are like your experience. Right? Not all are the same. Paul gives us some great, what we think is marriage advice from Ephesians chapter five. Let me read it beginning at verse 23. He says this, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Now, get this last little bit. Because we're, 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 we're in the bridegroom mentality here. We're in the husband and wife, you know, and look what he says. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Jesus is, or Paul is not using, he's not using Christ and the church to teach us about marriage. He's using the marriage relationship to teach us about Christ and the church. Do you see what we're, we're getting at here? And I have read this scripture at weddings and heard an audible gasp. No joke. I have heard, and it's never men gasping. <laughs> Some guys are like, hey, <laughs> maybe I like this. It's, it's generally, as, uh, as one pop singer referred to them as, the single lady, that might actually be having a hard time with that. I can barely get through that first verse in that group of verses and they're already tuning me out. So maybe you're here and you're offended because Paul is using this relationship between a man and a woman to tell us something about the church. Maybe it's hard for you to get beyond that Maybe you're offended at the fact that Paul is saying that Christ is the head of the church. You're just as offended about that as you are the fact that a husband would be the head of his wife. But friends, that's what scripture tells us. As I said earlier as we were praying together, Jesus said, I will build... He didn't say your church. He said, I will build... My church, if you build it, it's yours. I mean, somebody may buy it from you, but if you build it, it's yours. Jesus is saying it's mine, I built it. So let's take a look at what we learn from these verses about the church. And the first thing that I want to remind us of is that Christ loved the church. Again, we're not talking about a building, we're not talking about a denomination, we're not talking about one local place, we're talking about those who have believed in the name of Jesus over the last 2,000 years. That's the church. And Jesus said, I love the church. A couple weeks ago, there was a young college couple that attends here at Silver Creek, that got engaged and the young man got the ring and he could not keep that ring a secret he couldn't do it he wanted to but he couldn't do it as soon as he possibly could he got that ring out and he asked her if she would be his wife they posted beautiful pictures on Facebook. They were so excited. I love to see a couple right after they get engaged because the, 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 the soon-to-be bride walks up to you the same way. They're like this. Wow. Wait, left hand, left hand. They're like, yeah, and, and you're, you're not, at first you're not sure. Is she swinging at me? No, she wants to show you that ring because she's excited about it. She feels in love like never before. Some of you right now, you kind of want to lean over to your your spouse and say, wives, you you probably would do this, but honey, do you remember when that was us? And he says, huh? (laughs) Ephesians five twenty five: Husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Guys, one of the I I hope you enjoyed looking at those wedding pictures. I heard some guys they they did what I did. They grabbed the wedding picture at home and they held it up. You know, and you're like, oh man, my reflections in that. Then it's like there's 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 light. You know, you're trying to get that that good picture of the picture okay? That's what I did to get that picture, right? And you, you don't want to expose it to sunlight because it's so old it may just literally disintegrate, you know, keep it under protective glass. And I looked at that picture, and that, that picture is like six feet from where I sleep, okay? But I looked at that picture, and I looked at it, her face. I was like, it is no wonder I asked that girl to marry me. As I had to text her. I, I said, honey, I am, I am just blown away by how beautiful you are. We look at those pictures, and many of us see children, okay, in those pictures because... We're so young. But we focus on our love, the love that we have for one another, instead of what Paul's really driving at, the love that Jesus has for the church. I, I was overwhelmed. Like, I, gotta, I need to tell her again that I understand. And Paul is trying to evoke those feelings so that we'll understand that's how Jesus feels about us. And, and all of us together, but all of us independently as well, that he feels that way. So often when it comes to our marriages, we, we think about what we get out of that relationship instead of the way Jesus looked at it about what he would give up for that relationship. Which brings me to my next point, that Jesus gave himself up for the church. What does that really mean? It might be confusing within the context of marriage, but what does it mean? Let me read a couple verses here for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, the first part of that verse talking about Jesus, he who did not spare, rather God, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Jesus uh, really kind of makes that a little more clear in John 15, verse 13, when it says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. When we refer to Jesus giving himself up for the church, we're literally referring to the fact that Jesus died. Thankfully, guys, none of us in here has ever had to die for our wives. Maybe in the right situation we would for our wife. Jesus willingly gave himself. In fact, God the Father gave him to do it. And Jesus willingly did so. Let me ask you this question. What does it take for a woman to become a bride? In our culture, it's through relationship. In other cultures, it might be arranged. Part of the process, and we used to do this Uh, maybe 150 years ago, it was common in this country for there to be a dowry as part of this transaction. And and a a marriage was very transactional. So a a dowry is generally um, things that a woman brings into the marriage relationship. Often they've been given to her over time by her family. And she brings those into the relationship, and that's sort of um, supposed to, I guess, sweeten the deal or sweeten the pot a little bit. But then other cultures have something called the bride price. And that is either possessions or, or monetary amounts that are given by the groom or the groom's family to the bride's family. And it can be done in a, in a way that is considered very substantial where it is based on the actual value that the bride brings into this her new family. So the, the, the more value she brings, the higher that price would be. Or it can also be something that is, is considered more of a token value. But the value is based on the value brought into the relationship Paul says in in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, before we had any value. Before we had any value as a bride, Christ died for us. And that was God demonstrating his incredible love for us that even though we were worthless, that he was willing to give his son as the bride price. Jesus paid the highest bride price. He paid with his life. 1 Timothy chapter two, the end of verse five, the beginning of verse six, the apostle Paul writes this, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Not only did Jesus die and pay the price for his church, but he paid the price for those who even have rejected him so that if they would accept him, they would be part of his bride. Jesus' love is based on what he gave. In First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul says this, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. Jesus paid the bride price for you and for me. He gave his life that we might live. Next, I want you to see that the Bible says that that he did so to present her to himself. Now, that's unusual because we don't do that in our culture. A groom does not present the bride to himself. Who does that? It's usually the bride's dad. And the poor guy walks up the center aisle And no one is looking at him. I don't care how well he's dressed. I don't care how much money he spent on this affair. No one is looking at that dude. Their eyes are all about 18 inches to the right of him because they're looking at the bride in all of her beauty. She's radiant. She's beaming. She's gorgeous. Jesus presents the church, the body of Christ, to himself. You see, first Jesus, the Bible says, came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's us. That's in our pre-bride state. That's before the engagement. And not only did he seek us out, but then once he found us, he cleansed us through the word of God. And then he receives us to be his bride into his home. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter five. In verse 26, it says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. A bride wants to look perfect. I've never been a bride. I'm never going to be a bride, but I've seen a lot of brides in my day, and they want to look perfect. Not only do they want themselves to look perfect, they want everybody that's standing up with them to look perfect also. So Saturday morning, the bridal party all goes to the beauty salon, okay? And, and maybe the day before, they get their nails done. And then they get all their hair done, and they get the updos. And they, I mean, they all have matching dresses, which they will never wear again. Okay? But they got to look perfect on that day. She wants to look perfect. <clears throat> you know, you're never going to catch a bride on Thursday the week before she gets married, mowing the lawn in her bridal gown. (laughs) It's not going to happen. She's not going to get that dress dirty. She wants to save that for that special occasion. Jesus wants the bride, the church, to be radiant, to be spotless. It won't be fully realized. Well, two things. One, it takes the blood of Jesus for God to see us without sin. And we won't fully be realized until the Bible says that we're changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye when Jesus comes to take his bride. That, that uh, bride, she's going to do everything that she can to be beautiful as the body of Christ. We need to be that beautiful bride that Jesus waits for. The Bible tells us there in Ephesians that the bride awaits her groom. According to a 2021 survey by The Knot, the average engagement in the U.S. is now 16 months. Down the street, there's a wedding venue that is booking weddings out for three years in advance. Some of us don't keep cars that long. (laughs) But people want to wait. They want to be financially prepared. They want to be relationally prepared. They want to finish college. They want to find a house. They want to plan for the future. Sometimes in scripture, uh, in fact, most times in scripture, talking about marriage, marriages were arranged. And the couple might not even know each other, but the betrothal was a legal contract, And there was a waiting period for preparation. The bride had to prepare herself to leave her family. The groom had to prepare himself to receive his bride into his family, into his residence. I love John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. It says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you i I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is saying, I'm the groom, you're the bride. I'm gonna go get ready for you and then I'm coming back to get you because you're my bride. Man, I love those movies where there's that moment and the guy's gotta leave the girl. Because he's gotta go do something heroic. And he says, but I'll be back. And then he said, and she's like, Well, why are you coming? Why are you coming back? You know? To get you. I'm like, yeah, buddy. That's it. I'm a I am a I, the guy's gotta get the girl in the movie for me. That's just what it is. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. To get you. So, as the bride, what have we been doing in the meantime? Have we been wasting that time? Or have we been getting ready? Man, you ladies put yourself through a lot when you get engaged. Like, you wanna, I'm gonna, you know, start a workout regimen and I'm gonna dye my hair and I'm, you know, you guys do also, why? You wanna get ready for that day. What's the church doing getting ready for the return of Jesus? Paul ends this segment of of Ephesians 5. He said, this is a profound mystery. How many of you guys understand that you're married to a mystery? Anybody? You know what the real mystery is? That she married us. That's the real, that's the real, because she could have married a whole bunch of other people. Okay? That Bible college was full of guys. (laughs) She could have married anybody else. That's the real mystery. Paul says the real mystery is The church is the bride of Christ. The real mystery is that the creator of the universe came down and died so that the bride could be his, so that she could be without spot or wrinkle, so that she could be radiant. That's the real mystery here. That the creator of the universe would want to enter into a covenant relationship with a bunch of people who were sinful that would make up his bride. I'll never forget one day. I was standing waiting for a wedding ceremony to start and I was going over my notes and I had a special spot in the ceremony where I Was going to get a key out of my pocket as a special symbol. And I reached into my pocket and I pulled that key out, you know, just making sure. And I put it back in my pocket. Got up on the platform and got to that part of the service. And I reached into that pocket and it wasn't there. It wasn't there. I realized that when I had slipped that back into my pocket, I had missed my pocket. And I found it after the service lying on the floor right there. And I say that to say this. You are the key. You're the key to this relationship. Ladies, you're the key. You're the key because you had to say yes. Right? Hey, uh, would you be interested in marrying me? If the answer is no, it's done. You know, sort of. I'm gonna go lick my wounds and and try to figure out what I did wrong. You're the key. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. We're gonna close this service. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray that in the next moments that you will do something that only you can do. That you would begin to woo someone here this morning. The way a young man would seek to woo a young woman to win her heart. I believe that you've been working on someone. I believe that you've been speaking to them, preparing their heart, wooing them, trying to draw them to yourself because you want them to be part of your bride. As we sing this song, I just want to invite you to begin to ask yourself the question, is that what's happening in my life? Is what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, is it the Holy Spirit wooing me drawing my heart to become part of the bride to respond to the advances of the groom to respond by saying yes to realize that I'm the key to this relationship because he's already died for me he's already done everything that he has to do he's coming back the answer is do I want to be a part of the wedding party do I want to be part of the bride just going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we prepare to close this service. And if you feel the, the wooing of God's spirit here today, I want you to respond to that. You see, you're the key. You can say yes, or you can say no. So if you're here today and you say, You know what? I feel the Holy Spirit just drawing me, wooing me to come to Jesus, and I want to say yes. If that's you, I just want to invite you in this very private moment to just slip your hand up so that I can see it, so that I can pray with you. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Thank you. Father, you see these hands that are raised this morning, and it tells me that the Holy Spirit is working. It tells me that the Holy Spirit is drawing the hearts of men and women to Himself, and that the call still goes out Will you be ready? Will you be part of my bride? And Father, I pray that this morning those that are feeling that wooing will simply say, Yes, Lord. Yes. Jesus, I say yes to what you did for me on the cross. I say yes to the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. I say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning that will begin a relationship that does not last a lifetime, but it lasts for eternity. God, I thank you and I praise you today for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If that's you this morning that said, I want to say yes, I just want to encourage you to make sure that you let someone know that today before you leave because they're going to be excited about what God is doing.